Hello and welcome to day 37 of A Year of War and Peace. I'm Logan. I'm Brett. And today we'll be talking about Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 12. Indeed. In which Andre meets with the Emperor. Quite a lot happens. Nice change from the last chapter. Yeah. We get a lot of things happening. Andre meets with the Emperor. He does. The Emperor does not want to chat. He's not. Well, he, he's not, he's he just not seems chatty. like he's not he's very talkative. He's very, yeah. He's just nervous. He's just shy. <laughs> He's shy and red-faced. Oh, I think I don't even know if he's blushing. He's just no. He's blushing. He's blushing. He's like oh, he's like he's like who is he he's leans like, to it. He leans to his his advisor. He's like who is this dashing what's his mysterious name officer out of Russia? That's what everyone else is saying. Apparently, though, <laughs> after he's done speaking, everyone's like Andre. <laughs> Want to come over later? Yeah, Andre makes the Andre gives the report, and the emperor is very. Kind of in the same vein as everyone else, very yeah. kind of like just like formal and about it and kind of just going through the motions of the questions and yeah. getting the answers. But then after, for some reason, something something clicks and everybody wants a piece of Andre. Everyone wants a piece of Andre. He gets the Order of Maria Teresa, uh, gets these awards. The army gets all these awards. It's because he, he rode through the night to get there. Yeah. That's why he got that. I guess so. He gets, in, he gets invited to and call like, upon the Empress. And he's like... Yeah, the battle's really tough. Do you want to see my wound? <laughs> right. <laughs> he gets invited to the Archduchess to, to see the Archduchess. Good golly, Andre. Women are palling around. Don't forget your wife. Don't forget Miss... I wonder if she's given birth yet. I don't know. I don't know. If you, if I wonder, you, are they writing months. each other? He's only writing his father. He's only writing his father. He's only mentioned... I think it mentions he writes his yeah, father in this chapter, not, doesn't it? Yeah, it has not... She has not been mentioned. Since uh, he has gone to war, not at all, not in the slightest, <clears throat> and he's better for it. That nagging, that nagging that bag, nagging, that, that nagging bag. <laughs> Always complaining about, oh, I'm pregnant, oh, I'm pregnant, I'm, pregnant. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm worried about my birth. <sighs> You're literally a woman. You're only here to give birth. Get around to it already. Oh. Jeez, we're joking, by the way. <laughs> I just wanted to make that clear. I would hope that that could that we was are clear. We are joking. Slash S slash J. But, yeah, he goes oh, to all these parties yeah. and then he goes back to Billabin's. And <laughs> this was crazy. And Billabin is packing up Bilibin's all his things. moving out. Everyone's packing up all their things. Well, Andre has been partying. And this might be why he was received differently. That's probably why he was suddenly received differently is because of the new news of Napoleon's army advancing, so the victory maybe is is cast in a new light now. Yeah. Do you think maybe maybe that's what it was? Maybe. Everybody yeah. except for Andre had heard about <laughs> that's this. That's crazy that he just doesn't know. <laughs> and no one mentions it to and him. And no one tells him. And that's no one tells him I at can, the party. That's the only thing I can think of. And Bilbin's like, you didn't notice everyone packing up and leaving? And he's like, no, I had the dames. I had the archdukes. I was having a menage were, a trois with the empress were, and the archduchess. Sorry. They were all touching my wound. I was busy. <laughs> they were caressing my wound. <laughs> And he's like, Bilibin, you want to see my, my Bilibin, wound? have you noticed? Did you get a chance to look Yo, at Bilibin, it? Yeah, Bilibin, do you notice anything different about me? <laughs> but yes, the French, um, a, a certain Prince Aursperg was left back to defend the bridge across that guy the Danube. Um, he's not doing his job. He was there to defend the, the, the Tabor Bridge and stop Napoleon from crossing it after Napoleon took Vienna. And he has failed. He has failed miserably, disastrously. Almost like he didn't even try. A- actually, yes. Yeah. So, so Bilibin. So now the French are across Vienna and are marching into West, Eastern Austria. And Brno is. They'll be upon Brno within like a day. He says. He says 
by tomorrow night at the latest. Yeah, so. So very soon. Everyone's getting a schmoove on to Olmutz. Oh, the girls are moving. The new place to be is, Olmutz is always my favorite Olmutz place is in actually, Austria. Olmutz is actually Austria's hottest club. <laughs> Berno is cold. <laughs> Sorry, Berno died. Berno is now France's hottest club. <laughs> imminently. <laughs> imminently. Imminently will become France's, France's hottest club. <laughs> but um, Bilbin tells a crazy story, which is true history of how the Napoleon's army got across the Tabor, which he recounts pretty much accurately in detail in the in the book. <laughs> Tolstoy had like a history textbook propped open next to him and was like, yeah, and so, okay. And he's like writing it down it word really, for word. I, I was reading the chapter and as I read it, he mentioned this at the beginning and I was like, let me look that up and see. And I read like an article about it. I was like, oh, that's crazy. And I kept reading the chapter and then he just said exactly what was in the article. That's how I reacted to the burning of Moscow when we saw Napoleon. <laughs> The movie. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I wonder if that's real. And I, went, I looked at Brett. I was like, is this real? He was like, yeah. And then I was like, I literally sat through the rest of the movie just thinking about that <laughs> and how that was real. I didn't really even pay attention to the rest of the movie. And then we also have perhaps my favorite sentence of the entire chapter, possibly one of the entire book so far. Bilibin has his perhaps best oh, bon yes, mot to date. Yes. After he uh, recounts the events at the Tabor Bridge, at the Tabor Bridge, which did you want to like say? Yeah, what I, I, yeah, I just wanted to corroborate that there was. I mean, I could get into it, but I'll basically just be saying what Billabin yeah. said. Basically, two French marshals really did. They were stuck at this bridge, and the bridge was rigged to blow, but the Austrians didn't want to blow it up yet in case peace was signed because there was news of peace. So they want to blow the bridge up and then have peace be signed, and they blew it up for no good reason. So they were sitting, <laughs> they were sitting there waiting to blow it if the French tried to cross. And so his two marshals, Lan and Marat, went across the bridge waving white flags and demanded an audience with Auersburg and told the Austrians that the peace had been signed and the war was over and they wanted to chat with the Count about the new peace. And while they were doing that, the French, when the Austrians were distracted by them, the French started creeping across the bridge with the rest of their army. And two guys tried saw it was a ruse. One guy lit the fuse for the, to blow the bridge up and Lan put it out and then set on a cannon and started smoking a cigarette to keep distracting them and then he tells the bill talks about it but another officer went to Auersburg and was like hey these guys are lying kill them get them out of here and and marat was like oh my god Auersburg, you let a you let a lowly soldier talk to you like that i can't believe you allow such disrespect in your army and convinced Auersburg to arrest him count Auersburg was later tried and and um sentenced to execution for his incompetence in the management of the tabor bridge incident yeah that's what i'd call this an incident <laughs> This is an incident if I've ever heard of one. Unfortunately, his sentence was commuted, but he was he was sentenced to be shot. Okay, we can talk about our feelings about the death penalty another time. <laughs> I don't know if it's unfortunate that he was commuted, but he he did do a bad job. He did a very very bad job. He was doing a bad job. So yes, the French the French passed the bridge without any casualties. And then and then yes, afterwards. Bilbin has some choice words he referring choice to the words. incident. He says, it's that man, Mac. We've been macked. We've been macked. Oh, good golly. What, what, worse, what worse could happen? How long do you think he had that one cooking? So here's the thing. I think that he like tried it out, but it didn't really land. And now he like this like really bad thing happened. So now he can use it again and be like, yeah, we've been macked. And everyone's like, oh. That's really good. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's just like Ohm. Get it? It's just like Ohm. Just like Ohm. Poor Mac. Can you imagine when he would, when, when. when they're miserable, Mac. Imagine Mac overhearing someone referring to it as being macked. Even getting macked. Imagine something really bad happens to someone and they're like, oh, I just got Loganed. Hey, man. I have like notoriously bad luck. So I feel like, I feel like I'm like one or two like really bad things away from that happening. I've been Steenbergen. Oh, I've been Bergened. We've been bargained. We've, We've been macked. We've been baileyed. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andre, hearing all this, has this fantasy all of a sudden, basically, about going and like saving the Russian army. Yeah. And rescuing them from their destruction. He's like, he's being... like, you know who's going to do it? It's going to be me. And honestly, he's so real for that. I would have thought the same. I would have had the same ass thoughts. He's like the little kid we saw at the climbing gym who was climbing with one arm behind his back. <laughs> That's Andre right now. He's, he's These so are real. like the maladaptive fantasies I have in my head when I'm pacing my room listening to music. I'm like, and then I like single-handedly like took them down and I, then I won an Oscar and a Grammy award. Yeah, I'm in the, in the shower <laughs> thinking about an argument you had earlier and yeah. the, the way you would have you done it. This is what you're talking to yourself about in your car when people pass you on the road. Exactly. For those who, for those who don't know Brett, is he talks to himself to the point where like if I go upstairs and he's downstairs, I will like think he's on the phone with someone. To, like, it's myself. He's just talking like at a like normal volume, like having a full conversation. But um, his roommate one time was driving past him on the road and looked over, and he was like gesturing and talking to himself in the car. It was a good conversation. What were you talking about? I don't remember. I have lots of conversations in my car. But yeah, Andre is so so real for for thinking he's gonna be the epic hero who saves the Russian army. I would have thought the same thing. These, in his the, situation. Yeah, yeah. But, these are the these are the the scenarios I play out in my head. He's <laughs> such a he's so real. He's so me. Uh, but Bilbin tries to convince him to stay on and go to Olmutz with the uh, the rest of the, with the girls. Um, he's like, you haven't been summoned back yet. No one's called for you yet. Yeah, and you I think what he go, says man. is very interesting where he says your duty is to take care of yourself. Leave that sort of thing to people who are good for nothing better, which is A, super classist, and B, very interesting to say to Andre, considering the fact that he has admitted to feeling very lost. Like, without the war, it seems. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, the war has given him a sense of purpose. And I just think it's very interesting. He, like, views people who are good for nothing better as, like, less than him. But he's, like, kind of talking to someone who, like, thinks the same about himself, almost. Yeah. That was very interesting. But then Bilbin's like, no, Andre, you're a hero. You're so brave for going back and doing what you signed up to do. (laughs) (laughs) My dear fellow, you're here. I think it's, I, I, I read that as a, I don't know, sarcastic or patronizing. Oh, just I don't like, know. What are you, I didn't, I didn't read it. Like, I, I thought like, it was just kind of okay, like, you're a, my you're dear a, fellow, you're a hero. I kind of, I kind of was like, oh, you're a hero. Oh, maybe I, I could see that. Okay, okay, hero. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay, hero. This is something I can't argue about. I have to go to save the army. Okay, that's how my I would dear respond. fellow, you're a hero. I'd be like. You're a hero. Okay, hero. I'd like to throw my hands up. Okay. It's giving hero. Oh, okay, period. Period. Um, but... <laughs> period. Period. Oh, the other thing I wrote down is this is another 
interesting illustration of the difference between Andre's military soldier mindset and Bilibin's diplomat mindset, where you can really see that Andre's thought process begins and ends at the outcome of the war and everything is staked on whether they win or lose this war so much so to the fact that he's like i have to go yeah save the army or as bilibin and the court see have the broader perspective that this is one war among many also they're quite literally running in opposite directions Mm -hmm. like there's like a very literal set up here to show their different mindsets right yeah but I, i think it's it's also important to note, I think, for the in terms of the diplomat and the court's perspective, that war, particularly in Europe, was way more common and frequent at this time than it is today. I mean, everyone was at war. Yeah. Like, all the time, it feels like, like everyone, in history. Yeah, like, everyone, all the diplomats at the court would very rightfully, they've probably all been with Austria through multiple wars before yeah, this, and, like, and they know there will be more after it. It'll come and go. So they know that this is part of a bigger diplomatic mm. game, whereas to Andre, it's everything. the war and winning the war is the whole thing. So Bilibin's and the court's entire perspective is 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 very different than like the soldier on the ground's mm-hmm. perspective. I think that that's an interesting kind of distinction between those two kind of mindsets mm-hmm. when, when going into it that we saw a little bit of earlier and I think is further illustrated here where, where this is even Bilibin is even, you know, this is an inconvenience to him. Yeah. And he's talking about, Oh, well, Olmutz has some fun sightseeing opportunities and it'll be a fun little visit to Olmutz while we wait out the, the rest of the conflict. You know, there is very distance from it and it's very, he sees it very politically. Yeah. You know? He sees, he sees it as a, as, Oh, it's just a temporary thing. Yeah. He sees it as a temporary thing, whereas Andre is like, it's my it's my life. Yeah. Because it's his job. Like, it's his his only real job mm-hmm. is war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This Ken's job is war. <laughs> I'm going to make you a shirt that says that. <laughs> this Ken's job is bloodletting. This Ken's job is tuberculosis. <laughs> my job is cannon. My job is burning Kindle. <laughs> my, job, my job is bridge. My jo- That's our spurk. Prince Aursberg, his job was bridge. My job is bridge. He wasn't very good at it. I'm just bridge. (laughs) And I'm enough. (laughs) And I'm great at doing stuff. But I mean, also Andre, I mean, he treats it like his whole life, but him and all the guys who are actually involved in the war, it could be their whole life. Yeah. They could all They could be career. They could be career. Oh. See, that's not what I was going to say, but you're right. They could die. Yeah. I was going to say, that, but they're also like, it seems like these guys are like their career. Yeah, some of them certainly. I was going to say career weapons. That's not right. They're <laughs> In a certain sense. They're career infantrymen. Yeah, soldiers and generals yeah. and ch- 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 officers. And I was about to say chiefs. No. Mm-mm. 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, that one got me. <laughs> that killed. That was a good one. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> Ranking? Sure. Okay, General Mac. No. Yeah. General Mac. We'll get we'll put General Mac in there because we've been Macked. The Macker. The Mac He's Macking on us. The Machinations. <laughs> okay. The Machinator. Andre. <laughs> Bilibin and the Emperor. Okay. Who's most likely to have a conversation with themselves in their car and get caught? <laughs> um, 
Bilibin, brainstorming bullbots. Bilibin's absolutely number one. He's You're seeing, so true. He's seeing how it sounds out loud. <laughs> he writes it down and he's got he's to see how it sounds. Does it really flow? Is the rhythm right? How is we've it? We've been macked. We're macked. We've been macked. We're macking. We've been macked. We've been macked. We've been macked. <laughs> um, definitely not the emperor. Emperor's bottom because he doesn't talk at all. The emperor's a bottom? Or maybe he talks the a lot The emperor's a bottom? <laughs> hey, man. Different time. So, Bilibin, number one, and then Mac. Absolutely. Here I sit, the unfortunate Mac. <laughs> You're going to tell me that guy does not dog to himself in his car? He was practicing that on the way he over. He was. He was, like, on the back, on the horse, and he was like, I'm the unfortunate, depressed. <laughs> this is the same bit we just did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, man. So, Bilibin, Mac, and then Andre, and then Emperor Francis. <laughs> Bilibin's in the front seat. Mac's in the back seat. They're practicing on each other. They're in cars next to each other. They're like, Bilibin, how does this sound? <laughs> how does unfortunate sound? Okay. Uh, Andre returns. He leaves Berno. Bye-bye. To go back. Cashing your bets now. Do you think Andre is going to save the army or not? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Just putting it out there, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. We'll see what happens. He might. But I don't, I don't know if the army's coming out of this one with like a victory. I feel like they might just kind of come out with like a no, they're like a two. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid! I'm so tired. <laughs> okay, that's all. all right. That's all. I got. Good night, everyone. We'll see you all tomorrow. See you all tomorrow.